Welcome back into the mental game where this week's guest is soccer star Carson Pickett. I kind of felt like I had to protect myself. And for me to protect myself, it was just to not show my arm because I didn't want to have to explain it. And in this episode, Carson opens up about her soccer career, which has taken her all the way to playing for the U.S. women's national team. But we also talk about her inspirational journey after being born without a left forearm and left hand. She has not let that stop her. So she really opens up about what it was like to grow up looking different than the other kids, how her parents helped her getting through school, getting through sports, playing soccer at an elite level in college and making it all the way to the pros, all of that and much, much more in this episode with Carson. But once again, if you're loving the mental game, please like, subscribe, rate, review, tell your family, tell your friends as we try to help as many people as possible with their mental health. But now it is time for the latest episode here on the mental game with Carson Pickett. Welcome back into the mental game. As you can see, I'm joined by a very special guest, Carson Pickett, who has played on the U.S. women's national team and now playing here for Racing Louisville. Thank you so much for coming on the mental game. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. And I just caught you after training. You're not playing the game, a game this week. So apparently it was a really tough day, long day. And I was it's so like, hey, uh, can you do an hour interview <laughs> afterwards? Hey, it just if it all happens in one day, it's better. Okay, so there we're you here, go. We're ready. You came in here <laughs> eating lunch, got that out of the way, so you're good to go. Um, we're gonna get into your whole career, your inspirational story, your take, obviously, on mental health and playing at the highest level in women's soccer. But first thing I ask everyone here on the mental game is, what does mental health mean to you? And, and people answer that in a variety of ways, whether it's something they've always taken care of or maybe there's a traumatic event that made them be more aware or attentive to their mental health but I ask you the same thing what does mental health mean to you yeah that's a great question um and to be brutally honest when I was younger um I grew up in a really good environment my parents um, I'm an only child they mm. had me in a private school and um I just had a lot of things taking care of me um, and then I went to Florida State and had a really good environment there, had a, had a team that felt like family. Um, when I got to the pros, honestly, I started to realize what mental health was. I just didn't, I didn't struggle with it before. I didn't have any type of thoughts, bad thoughts. They were all pretty positive. I mm -hmm. felt like I was kind of smooth sailing for a long time. And I just didn't understand when someone said something about mental health. I just didn't understand what they were talking about, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because I do feel like it's something, I feel like I'm pretty empathetic, but I feel like it's something you have to go through to really understand the feelings behind mm -hmm. mental health. And so um, as I've gone through the league and gotten older, I've realized that there are a lot of struggles with mental health, um, small, big, but they're all they're all the same and they, and people struggle with them and they're hard and it's hard times. And, um, I know for me being a professional athlete, I'm so hard on myself. Um, I'm driven. I want to be the best every day. And when I'm not my best, sometimes I struggle, yeah. you know, you, you make soccer kind of, that's your worth. And yeah. that's not something that's, that you should probably do. <laughs> um, but you just want to be the best professional that you can be. And I think that that's sometimes been the really hard part for me is not, having my identity just with soccer. So that's the that's the hardest part mentally for me mm -hmm. is just to realize I am my own person, I am a human, and I'm not just a soccer player. One thing you mentioned there is that everyone struggles, and that's kind of the reason why I started this show, um, because it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, mm -hmm. you're a musician with songs on the radio, you're in movies or on TV, everybody struggles with something. I, I want to 
tell your whole story and, and you mentioned growing up in a really good environment, being an only child. Um, what was your childhood like? My childhood was incredible. Um, my parents are my best friends. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, as I've, especially as, as I've gotten older, I've realized that they're they're so special to me. My whole family's special. They all live in Florida, my grandparents, aunts, uncles. Um, so to have them around all the time was yeah. a really good environment for me. I kind of felt like I had a safe haven around me. Um, and so it was amazing. I felt like, you know, I went to a small private school. And so that... I graduated with 50 people. So everyone kind of knew my story from first grade to 12th grade. So I yeah. feel like I really didn't have to tell my story when I was growing up. Now that I'm older, I kind of wish I did have to because mm -hmm. it it made me grow a lot when I went to Florida State. But I think it all happens when it needs to happen and, and the right timing. So it was a really good – I had a really good childhood. And I luckily, I know a lot of people don't go through this. I didn't feel as though I got bullied too much. There yeah. was definitely times that were very hard, comments that were very mean. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, that's that's a that's a big story too. Um, the comments and things like that. I want to ask this in, in the right way. Um, but when did you know that you were different? You because you were you were born without one arm, mm -hmm. and I've listened to you do other interviews where your parents talked about not knowing what to do, maybe being mm -hmm. very emotional right when you were born, and then saying, "Hey, we have to raise our daughter the right way and make sure she feels okay," which I think is super powerful. For sure, and I think you know. I think every parent's important, but I think a parent when their kid's missing a limb is extremely important because, um, you know, they have to kind of show me the ropes because I don't know how to do everything by myself sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought that, but then growing up, you know, I realized that they have two hands and I have one. So sometimes they're not going to be able to help me. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're both college athletes, um, in the past one basketball, one soccer. And so they're competitive people. So when I was born, I think they had like five minutes of feeling sorry for themselves and, uh, Oh, what are we going to do? And then immediately them being competitive, they're like, well, we have to make it work. Like yeah. she's going to, she's not going to fail. She's going to succeed and, you know, and we're going to help her through that because they're competitive people and they're like, well, she's just doesn't have an option to fail. So I think that helped me a lot, um, especially growing up. Mm -hmm. I was never, ever allowed to say no to an opportunity. I was never allowed to say I can't. And mm -hmm. I never w was allowed to say, um, I don't want to try. I always had to try. I had to try on my own first. Um, and then if I couldn't do it after a couple of times, not just one after a couple of times, um, finally they would, they would try and help. But really, I, I think they were hard on me, but to me, that's that's the parenting I, I liked growing up because yeah. it made me kind of branch out and do things that like I probably if they babied me, I would have never tried it on my own. Right. You mentioned your your parents like just always being there and, and helping you with everything and being hard on you. But you feel like it probably helped you realize that even if you do look different, feel different, mm -hmm. um, that you can do anything you put your mind to. And I think one of my favorite stories really uh, I've ever heard was something that I've heard you talk about with your dad and the monkey bars. <laughs> yes. And if you could just walk me through that, because I find it really inspirational. The back, it doesn't sound like it at first, <laughs> but now that you can look back on it, it, I think it did probably build you into who you are today. For sure. Um, and the question you asked before, actually, this was, this is probably my answer was about the monkey bars and the bike. I feel like those two things were kind of made me realize I was different than everyone. And I was going to have to learn in a different way mm -hmm. where, you know, kids just learned with training wheels. And then all of a sudden they didn't have training wheels where I had to learn with training wheels without it and to do it with kind of one hand. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the monkey bar story, I would go to my local park that was down the road from my street. My dad would take me down there and we went there multiple times and he just would watch me 
And I would just be staring at everyone going, all the kids, they'd go over the monkey bars and they'd go so fast. And I would literally just, I wouldn't play. I wouldn't do anything. And I loved tag. I loved all the games. But for some reason, I just would not play because I was staring at everyone going through the monkey bars. And I just remember thinking, I wish I could do that. And I think my dad, um, you know, he's very observant. Mm-hmm. He is a coach. So I feel like he's on to to different cues and things like that. So he saw me a couple days just staring. And he came over to me. He's like, you can do that, you know. And I was petrified. One, because it's pretty high off the ground yeah. for, what, a five or six-year-old? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty high up there. And so I was like, no, no, no. You know, I don't know if I can. And he was like, Carson, you know that you're not allowed to say that. Like, you have to try. Right. Um, you can do it in your own time, but you have to try. And so finally I got up there, and I remember him saying that, you know, I'm not going to be here for when you fall because if I just keep catching you, then you're not going to be afraid to fail. And so – um, if I was afraid to fall and I was going to hit the ground, I was not going to let go of those monkey bars. So it took me a couple of times. I remember hitting the ground multiple times, but um, in a safe way, obviously. Yeah. But I would just get back up there. He's like, go again, go again. And I think the competitor in me just was like, I'm not leaving this park until I do it. Mm-hmm. And finally, I finally figured it out. I hooked my arm across one of them. And obviously this arm was fine, but I would just swing as fast and hard as I could to get my arm back to the next one. So I finally figured it out. And honestly, it was so much fun going to yeah. the park. And that it honestly, it changed my whole experience. Well, one of the things that I find fascinating too, because you talk about being around other kids and going to a smaller school and not really dealing with maybe the bullying mm-hmm. that other people experience throughout life, no matter what they have you know, going on in, in their life. Um, but when did you start to notice like kids maybe looking at you different? Mm-hmm. Did that happen in school or at the park? Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, I was just talking to my parents about this the other day. I honestly think sometimes kids are better than adults. Real, I've uh, realized mm. that Kids are just like, hey, are you in tag? Are you out? Like, they don't actually care. Yeah. They don't, they, they ask one time and then it, that's it. Whereas, yeah. like, adults, I feel like speak, as we get older, sometimes obviously we become a little more sensitive or maybe more empathetic and we don't want to ask hard questions. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of just, they just stare at me instead of asking. And for me, I understand that they're trying to be polite, but I almost wish they acted like a kid and like, hey, what happened to your arm? And I'm like, oh, it's born that way. And then that's it. You're done. Yeah. And, or you just talk about it more. And I feel like it's a bit awkward sometimes with adults because they don't want to hurt my feelings and they don't want to upset me. But realistically, I would rather them just ask kind of like kids do because kids don't care. They just they want to know what happened. Yeah. And once you tell them, they're done. They're like, OK, cool. Like, what's next? We're going to play tag. We're going to go to Lucky Bars. Like, yeah. they just they don't care. And I think that that's sometimes I think adults can be more like kids and we can learn a lot from them. And for me, um, it was really hard going out in public sometimes because I knew that people would be staring at me and I was used to it um but I remember in college when I got to Florida State obviously in Florida dead heat of summer um I started wearing hoodies outside to class and I remember just sweating and I'm like why am I doing this myself and I'm like well I just don't want I mean Florida State has a million people there you know Mm -hmm. compared to my 50 graduates um and so it was really different I didn't know anyone there so I kind of felt like I had to protect myself and for me to protect myself it was just to not show my arm because I didn't want to have to explain it and so I would wear hoodies in the dead heat of summer and I would just it was miserable yeah and I almost in my mind was like I'd rather be miserable than have to explain my arm did that take a toll on you? And did you have dark nights as a freshman that, that's trying to make it on, on a team that's really, really good competing for national championships? And mm-hmm. you talk about wearing a sweatshirt when it's 
100 degrees outside. Um, why do you think you did that? Was there anxiety? Was there depression building up inside of you? I Yeah, I there was 100% anxiety. Um, I really struggled when I got there because for two reasons as a player and as a person. So, you know, again, when I was in high school, I didn't have to explain my arm to anyone. I was just a good soccer player. When I got to Florida state, things started to shift to only really being about my arm as, mm-hmm. as a soccer player. And I've told this story before, but, um, we went to the college cup, which is the biggest thing you can do in, um, college soccer. And we were headed towards the national championship and there was a media day and I got picked. I was a freshman and I got picked with all the seniors. These like, unbelievable players and I was like oh my gosh like no freshman ever gets picked to do media day it was so I was so excited I remember telling my parents I'm in with like the big the big girls like they're awesome and we went there and every single one of their questions was about soccer and every single one of mine was about my arm so that at that point I realized maybe I wasn't known as a good soccer player maybe I was just like maybe I was here because I had one arm and it was a good story and I I definitely had thoughts like that before where maybe I was picked to do things because it was a good story um and maybe not as much because they thought I was really good at soccer or they thought this that and the other whatever whatever I was doing um and so I struggle with that a little bit especially meeting new people and Mm -hmm. meeting other athletes I didn't want the other athletes to look down on me and be like oh you're just here because you know they're pitying you or it's it looks good for the university Mm -hmm. I wanted to just be there because I was a good soccer player and I remember struggling a lot my f- my freshman year trying to make sure I fit in and not just, you know, when you go to college, you just want to, you want to fit in in general. Yeah. Then I was thinking, okay, I want to fit in as a person, but I also want to fit in and not stand out because of my arm. So mm-hmm. I felt like I already had kind of a struggle against me that I had to deal with. Yeah. And that freshman year, the summer, the first summer, um, I met a lot of great people, but I definitely remember meeting other athletes and wondering if I was good enough and if I was there for all the right reasons. And I, it definitely, I struggled with that. Was there chances for you to talk to somebody on staff or, I mean, the stigma obviously with mental health at that time, I think we're about the same age. Like you didn't talk about it in school. You didn't talk about mm-hmm. it around sports. You just rub some dirt on it, go yeah. out there and play. Um, but when you're struggling like that, was there a want to talk to somebody about it? Did you, did you call your mom? Did you talk to anybody about that, that feeling of being anxious? No. So yeah and I agree like when we grew up it was kind of just like get on with it yeah. you know you think about it and you're like all right like next thing what's next yeah um obviously Florida State they have amazing resources so I could have talked to anyone they offered to anybody any yeah. athlete you could always talk to somebody but for me yeah I mean my parents <clears throat> I was probably the closest closest with my parents and I felt the most comfortable with them yeah um so things like that I remember calling my mom after the interview situation with the other girls and just being like so upset about it and she was and that's when kind of she changed my mindset she was like you know you actually have a platform that no one else has so you could turn it and flip your flip your script into something that it could be an amazing opportunity to tell your story and it could be amazing for these kids who are missing one arm who maybe feel sad anxious depressed to realize that there's somebody out there that is following their dreams and that they can do that too and so she was definitely one of the ones that changed my mindset towards it um so I'd call them for things like that but honestly I thought in my mind that I had one arm and no one I knew in my life had one arm it's almost like I felt like no one would really understand um, because they don't have people staring at them everywhere they go they don't have people looking at them in the grocery store and 
sometimes it was exhausting. I either had to hide my arm or just allow it to happen. And I realized that I actually started feeling bad for the people I was with. If someone was walking with me in the mall, like one of my friends, I almost felt awkward for them because I know they saw people staring at me. And I kind of started to have these feelings like and feel bad for them instead of like, you know, feeling I, I didn't have any toll on me I was like oh I always get stared at but like the people I was around I was, it was almost I felt awkward for them I was like yeah. I don't want them to feel awkward around me um, because I know they see people staring at me and yeah. I think that that was something that was really hard as well it feels like you growing up like it wasn't even after some hurdles obviously as a kid five six seven years old the monkey bars learning how to play sports and, and you played everything from basketball tennis mm-hmm. obviously soccer is what you stood out in and you pursued as your career now playing professionally um but it feels like you grew to be comfortable in your own skin like a lot of people have to um but then once you got to college and adult life you almost had to do that mm-hmm. again what made you comfortable to not wear those sweatshirts to not worry about if people are looking at you yeah i mean I completely agree. That actually is my story. I was uncomfortable with it in high school, became comfortable, uncomfortable in college, became comfortable. And then in the pros, uncomfortable and became, it's almost like you're, it's part of a totem pole kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, like you, you make it and then you're a low man on the totem pole and you make it. And so that's kind of how I felt with my story. Um, so for me in college, I think the biggest thing is after my freshman year when I kind of established myself um, as a good soccer player. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you can do all these things in high school in the soccer world and nobody cares when you get to college. Yeah. They're just worried about winning a national championship and not getting their um, position taken. So yeah. it's kind of a dog eat dog world in the college soccer um, world. So I think that, you know, no, I realized nobody actually cared about my arm in, yeah. in a good way. Yes. Um, and I realized that. Actually, one of my teammates who ended up being a captain, Dagny, um, she was from Iceland, but she came up to me and she was like, I just had a reporter talk to me for five minutes to try and explain who had one hand on our team. And she's like, I first, the life of me could not, I didn't realize it was you. I could not remember you had one hand. And that kind of changed my mindset because I realized nobody actually cares. People are going through their own things. They don't actually care about your situation in a good way. They're not worried about what you can and can't do. And honestly, she forgot I had one hand because I, she she was like, you can do everything. So right. I literally, she's like, I could not. The person finally had to tell me, Carson, like Carson's the one with one hand on your team. And she's like, for the life of me, I just couldn't remember. And so that kind of changed my mindset because I realized no one cares. Yeah. Um, everyone has their own stories, their own journeys. And um, as long as you're playing good soccer, then right. that's all they really care about. Well, I wanted to get into soccer too. I'm sorry that I'm asking so much about your arm. I, I just, I, I find it, Yeah. I, mean, I, I find, you know, for me, like the stuff I went through, being suicidal mm-hmm. and checking in somewhere and then, you know, starting this, this, this show, I've realized that when you find people that have gone through something that you feel alone mm-hmm. when you're in situations. Yeah. And so I hope that they're, is some young kid out there or an adult or somebody struggling that's been through something similar that you have that might hear your perspective Mm -hmm. on it and it can click for them. And I think for you, you go back to that freshman year when you called your mom and you were like, you know, upset that you were asked so much about Mm -hmm. your arm in an interview and you wanted to be respected as a soccer player. And she had this kind of light bulb Mm -hmm. moment to say, use this platform. You can help people that had to like that whole like turn or flip of switch. Mm -hmm that had to be a really powerful moment for you to realize like that this is something that you can use 
that is good and can help people rather than you being upset about people asking you about it. A hundred percent. Yeah. I was like, I was almost sick of feeling sorry for myself that freshman year. I was like, get a grip, like take the sweatshirt off and just be yourself. And obviously we all know easier said than done. Like we all struggle sometimes to be ourselves. We, we all struggle with, I'm sure feeling like you're not good enough. And that's how I felt. I didn't feel like I was good enough um, until I got on the soccer field and was able to prove myself. And so, yeah, her saying that really changed my perspective because then it wasn't really about me anymore. It was about other people that I can help. And I think that I feel like I'm, again, I feel like I'm a pretty empathetic person. So if I feel like I can help somebody else, all of a sudden that changes my mindset completely. You had a young boy in the stands when you were playing professionally and he like the picture is just priceless the smile on your face you two holding your arms together mm-hmm. what was that moment like oh man it was incredible it was something that is almost hard to explain to people that don't have one hand because I as a 26 year old was going to meet this kid he was like two or three and I'm like he has he just probably wants to play like with toys and stuff he's he's not gonna really understand anything I almost felt like it was kind of for the parents not really for him um and I think that was when the moment I was like when we touched our arms together his eyes like lit up and I was like there is no way I even expected a two or three year old to realize that one, he has one arm or two that were the exact same. And that was definitely a moment I will never forget because I was just shocked that not, it doesn't matter what age you are. You kind of realize that there's a lot of people that are actually like you and you're not, you're not alone. Um, you just have to find the right people. You have to find the right group. You have to find the right circles. And, um, I just realized that there are so many people out there that, feel the same way whether they're 30 63 years old um it doesn't matter how old you are you know if you have a community of people that feel like you every single day it was almost like i feel like he understood me more than anyone in my life and he was three years old so that was one of the most powerful moments of my life for sure his name is joseph correct yes and you guys you and his family have kept in contact throughout the years yeah we have we actually went to um fifa award show we got acknowledged for um kind of like a a photograph of the year, a yeah. powerful photograph. So we got to go to FIFA award show with, I mean, everybody that you can think of in the soccer world. <laughs> Messi was there. Holy cow. Um, Virgil van Dijk, um, Alex Morgan. I mean, literally everyone you can think of. Marta was there. Um, and we got to attend that because of that photo. So we, we did that together. Um, our, both of our families went and yeah, we've kept in touch because sometimes again, like I said, it's sometimes more maybe for the parents, not just yeah. for him. That's so, so cool. Um, Who took the photo? Was it his mom? It or? was his mom, actually, yeah. and It, it was an amazing photo. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's, like, professional. Yeah, like, and it wasn't planned. That's the craziest part. People always I me, mean, was that planned? And I was like, no, we literally just, he saw my arm, and I could see his eyes kind of light up, and I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like, look, we have the same arm, and I just put my arm towards him, and he reached his out towards mine, and I just, that's not what I expected to happen. I was just thought he'd be, like, just looking at me, but I also met a girl in Houston recently that was just had turned one and her parents met me after the game and she like grabbed my arm immediately like I was playing and I was like hi like going like this and she looked at my arm and grabbed my arm that looked exactly like hers so it's crazy it doesn't matter what age you are it's crazy that they understand that they're just like me yeah and I want to point this out because you mentioned it doesn't matter age background who you are what you look like I experienced that when I checked into a mental health hospital where you meet with therapist and psychiatrist and you go through trying to figure things out on your own but a lot of the time spent is in like a classroom Mm -hmm. setting and I had people of every age color Mm -hmm. background gender 
from from 18 to 80 years old and we all had one thing in common is that we all felt alone and didn't want to be there and so when you're around people like joseph or the girl you just met and and you can and you can help them kind of see some hope or you can work on it together i mean joseph that picture Mm -hmm. inspired you it inspired his family and millions of people that saw it i find that being so powerful because everybody does struggle and, and you feel alone but it feels so good when you realize that even if you're sad or you're depressed going through something you're not alone there are the mm-hmm. people that go through the same thing yeah there's always there's always someone out there and sometimes it maybe it's it takes a little longer to find them but there's always someone out there that feels almost the exact same way as you and yeah. i feel like like you said when you get around that community and around a circle, no matter what circle it is, um, whether it's people who just have the same interests, whether it's missing an arm, whether it's, you know, anything mental health that like you always, especially in the professional world, mental health now yeah. um, for soccer players, especially for us. Um, if you feel wake up feeling a certain way, there's almost 100% sure that there's going to be someone else that feels the same way. Right. Um, sometimes it's hard to talk about it, but I feel like when you become vulnerable and you're able to talk about it, that's when you find people that are a lot a lot alike. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And it has changed in the sports world. You know, I told you before we started rolling on, on the interview, I've worked in the NFL and, and with NBA guys or Major League Baseball, soccer players, and it's the last few years, it has been really powerful seeing how much people open up. And that's a part of the reason why I started this show. I want to get into your soccer career. Um, we were trying to do the math before. You're drafted <laughs> either in 2014, 15, or 16. Did we land on one? I think it's 16, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> you're drafted, uh, and you get to live out this dream that you had. And I, I find it interesting going back in your story where the league wasn't doing that well mm-hmm. when you were a kid or when you were in high school. And so you were worried that, like, I'm going to put in all of this work and go play college soccer and earn a scholarship and try to win a national championship. And then that's going to be it with it. Yep. Uh, what was that reality like playing out, realizing that it was shifting, it was changing, but it still wasn't that easy when you got drafted? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 40 girls get drafted in a year. It's If you think about how many college soccer players there are that are seniors – that's not a lot of people. That's two teams and some change. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's not a lot of people, and so you just you can be good in college, but you might not make it in the pros, or you might be kind of average in college and kill it in the pros. You just sometimes you just never know. You never know what your journey is going to be like. Yeah. So growing up, yeah, I mean, I got to watch our national team, but that was it. I mean, there was no professional league, no one to look up to. Um, you got to watch uh, international games every now and then if you could find the channel. Right. Um, and so that was difficult. I was like, you know, I realized that I was like, well, I'm just playing soccer now because I love it. And I have no idea where it's going to go because there's no pro league. Um, and it had folded twice when I was growing up. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, even if there is one, I don't know if I'm going to have a job one day and not a job the next day because it could yeah. fold at any point. Um, it wasn't stable. It was rocky. And... It worried me. Uh, you know, you get you, you're there getting a college education, which obviously that will help you. But your dream is to play soccer because that's what you've done your whole life. Right. And like I said before, you start to realize that that is a part of your identity, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um. And so I didn't know what I was going to do in this world um, without soccer. And then when I got to college, the league was actually doing really well, and there's a lot of girls that I played with that were going into the into yeah. the pros. And so. It gave me a lot of confidence to know that, okay, maybe I do have a dream in soccer and playing professional sports. And that's, you know, I just wanted one year to do it. I just wanted to see if I could um, make it. I wanted to try and get drafted. But honestly, I didn't know if I would because 40 players is not a lot. And there's a lot of good players out there. Um, So actually, the craziest story was on draft day. My parents and I are pretty humble people. And 
we decided not to go to the draft because honestly I hadn't heard anything from any coaches and I was like I don't know if I'm gonna get drafted and I felt uncomfortable going to the draft and not getting drafted and just right. sitting there I just didn't know how it was gonna feel yeah and I didn't know if that was gonna be the end of my soccer career um and so a night before the draft, Laura Harvey from Seattle Rain, which is where I got drafted, called me. And she was like, I've been trying to get a hold of you for days. And of course, I don't know, my phone always works. All of a sudden, my phone apparently wasn't working. And I was like, of course, this would happen. I could have been at the draft. If she would have called me a week before, I would have been there. Because she said, if all goes well, we're going to plan to draft you. And so I was just like, I could not believe it. I couldn't believe that I was going to get a chance in the pros. Um, I just... I almost wish I took the chance to go to the draft because it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you don't get drafted. You can still go play professional soccer in the NWSL. I mean, there's so many girls in this league that were undrafted and are absolute stars in the league now. So I do wish I would have had that confidence just to go and and to not worry about the result. I yeah. just wish I was vulnerable in that moment. That's something I definitely regret. But I couldn't imagine sitting there and feeling like I wasn't good enough if mm -hmm. I didn't. Um, because that's something I've felt before. And it it was an anxious feeling for me. I was like, I just, I would be mortified. Yeah. And I wish I would have done that. Um, obviously, knowing now that I got drafted, I think yeah. it's a little different. But that was, yeah, that was the cra probably the craziest story of my career. Um, you know, not knowing if I was going to get drafted. And then the night before the draft getting called from one of the best teams in the league. So, yeah, it that'll, was crazy. That, that plays out well. That, yeah. That'll put a smile on your face. Yeah. Um, you get drafted and you get to the league and you're, starting to play and it's a dream come true for you but also and this isn't me you know trying to talk crap about the league but you're you're faced with some adversity that a lot of athletes especially women athletes face professionally where the pay isn't mm -hmm. <laughs> isn't anything close to no. what you're going to make as an accountant mm -hmm. or uh, you, you know even as a teacher i worked in tv you don't make anything when you start in mm -hmm. tv um, how hard was that reality? I, I don't want to get the number wrong, but I think I've heard you say in the past it was around seven to 8,000 for a season. Yes. And luckily the seasons were only about five or six months. But if you think about it, it's like a little over a thousand a month for just six months and then that's it. So yeah. it's not enough to live off of. No, not really. Um, you have to honestly, for me, I, I obviously can only talk about my situation, but luckily I had amazing parents who were helping me through that. I remember them saying, if you want to live out the stream, obviously we'll support you through it. Um, but Seattle is an expensive place. So when I got drafted there, I was like, I, I can afford an apartment again. Like my parents would have to pay for it. So that's why they do um, – housing there so they do where they get any kind of families to come house the players for free they get free tickets and things like that but it yeah. doesn't cost the players a dime because you just you can't play in the league and afford an apartment with what we we're making my first and second year you just can't do it unless you had wow. you know great parents or saved up a bunch of money from something but Seattle's so expensive that you just you could literally it would have stopped you from playing soccer if that was your only choice um so that was really difficult and to be honest, I love my host family, but that was a struggle as well. I went through some times that were a little dark in Seattle because I, like I said, I was an only child. So mm -hmm. I grew up with just my parents. Um, I had a dog when I was about up until I was about five. So the household was pretty quiet. Um, and then my host family in Seattle had three kids. Um, one of them I shared a bathroom with, with, which I think she was maybe nine or 10 at the time. Wow. So, you know, you're in someone else's house it's not home for you. Yeah. They're made. I mean, they were incredible. I couldn't have picked a better host family, but it's a big change going from an only child to now having yeah. pretty much three siblings 
uh, in a house where you're sharing a bathroom, you have to like kind of see when she's, is she using the bathroom? Is she showering or can I do it? It's just something I never had to deal with. And it was quite challenging for me. And they had a dog and she barked all the time. And like for me, I didn't have to deal with that growing up. And those things, they seem so small. But when you think about how you grew up and the life that you live, it's just, it could take a big toll on you because you're just not used to it. And so I'm like, okay, I lived by myself for four years in college and now I'm living in someone else's house. Like I almost felt like a child again. And I appreciated it. It was amazing. They're awesome. The club was awesome for letting us do that because we wouldn't be able to play soccer otherwise. So I'm so grateful for them, the opportunity, but it was a big change in the lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, my mind, my mind's kind of blown by that. Um, that sounds like a, you know, as an intern or a summer camp in mm-hmm. high school or college, the mm-hmm. fact that you're drafted, one of forty women drafted to play professional soccer, and you're, you know, basically given a spare bedroom and a house, and you're living with a host family, which I'm sure they're great and amazing mm-hmm. and all that jazz. But, I, I mean, that's just incredible to me. And, and did you ever think? Like, and did you ever have conversation with your parents about one, either quitting soccer altogether or two, um, finding a way, which is, you know, me, I like, I could, I drive Uber now while doing this show, which I was very embarrassed to say, like when I started it. Um, but it's like, you got to make stuff work for you and it's a grind. It's a hustle. Did you think about doing something else while you were playing soccer? Yeah. I mean, luckily the coaching in Seattle, um, the people there just, want their kids to be the best. So they'll like, they'll pay pretty good money for coaching. So I had to start just doing coaching on the side. And I remember calling my mom. I sat in my car outside my host family's house crying. And I just remember calling her and I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore because I just feel like I'm a child again. I feel like I'm in high school. I feel like, um, there's just always someone around me and, and I'm someone who does kind of like my independence sometimes. And, and I just, I was struggling. She's like, okay, well you can get an apartment, but you know, we'll help you, but you're gonna have to pay some of it. And I'm like, well, I'm not making enough money to really pay much. And she was like, well, those are the choices you have to make, unfortunately. And I remember being like, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to have to make this. Do I, you know, spend money on an apartment or do I just live in my situation? And, and again, if it was a bad situation, I would have been out in a second, but it was an amazing situation as far as the family goes. And I can't say that enough. They're incredible, but yeah, just going from an independent soccer player to you're like, Oh sweet. Now I'm in the pros. This is the good life. And then you're back in a host family with someone that you don't even know with kids, dogs. I mean, anything and everything. And it was a really challenging time. I just think in my head, cause I'm, I covered the Bengals. I can't imagine like (laughs) yeah like joe burrow or jamar chase getting drafted and then hey you're gonna go live with some random family because you can't afford to pay your bills or or get your own place um it's just crazy to me um going through those first two years and and having that experience and i'm we're not going to get into like your contracts and money outside (laughs) of that i just think i think it's important Mm -hmm. to tell that part of your story especially with mental health because there are people that struggle that listen that are, are trying to figure out how, how to pay the bills at mm-hmm. the end of the month and, and how to how to work out of those situations. But on the field, um, you've been able to find success. You've been in the league a long time now, and, and you've got to live out that dream. That dream also includes getting called up to the U.S. women's national team. Somebody that watched them growing up, I know – there's a, there's a famous story of yours sitting with your dad overnight watching the yes. World Cup, eating ice cream, yep. and, and cheering them on. Getting to play and represent – your country, how special of a call and experience was that for you? I, it was the most memorable moment of my life, 
the call, the game, um, just being able to represent the United States is on the on a world level is just a dream come true. It was my dream growing up. It still is my dream. Like <laughs> it, any call I get, I'm there. I want to be there. It's something that I work towards every single day because I think that's just the highest that you can get. You know, mm-hmm. you get to represent a whole country. Yeah. Um, and I just remember walking out of that tunnel and the fans were just chanting USA and, and screaming your name. And, and I was just there for the first time and people, so many people, kids, everything just knew my name because they're so obsessed with soccer and they, you know, they watch the national team. They want us to do well. They want us to succeed. And the national team has been so incredible, obviously, you know, um, has won so many tournaments. So being able to play at the highest level was just something I was so grateful for and thankful for um, because I finally got to experience what it was like to be the best of the best. And uh, I, yeah, I just can't say enough about my experience. The call, I just remember I was in the grocery store and Vlatko called me and he was like, do you have a second? And I was like, he's not going to call me to say you're not invited. So I'm yeah. like, I have a good feeling about this. And I dropped all my groceries and hurried outside. And I was like, yes, yes, of course. And he was like, I just want you to know that, you know, you've worked so hard for this opportunity and we want to call you into the national team. So I remember calling my dad and he started crying and my mom, she started crying. I called every single person in my family and it was just, it's the most memorable call I've ever had in my life. And, um, you know, being a little five-year-old soccer player, it's just, it was a dream come true and it was everything I hoped it would be. I'm going to like start tearing up hearing that because I feel, I feel the same way. You know, you have dreams that you want to achieve your entire life and then you get there. I mean, walking out of that tunnel and like you as a professional athlete, you played soccer your whole life. You've played in front of crowds. You've been on big stages, but this is the biggest possible mm-hmm. stage you can be on and it's your biggest dream. Mm-hmm. Did you like catch yourself like kind of just looking around? Did you pinch yourself? Like what happened? <laughs> like when the match started, were you like, all right, let's play soccer? Or how, how was it? How did you shake that off? Yeah, I think that is a great question because when I, I remember warming up and just looking around and walking outside the tunnel and I just was looking to the stands and there's red, white, and blue everywhere. And I was like, this is just crazy. I've never been a part, you know, and then it was so, we get a decent amount of fans. Portland gets tons of fans, but I've never been in an environment where like every single person was there for your team. Um, and so it was just cool. I, I remember looking for my parents immediately because I, I always like finding my dad, um, you know, he was my coach growing up, so yeah. he's still at halftime. If I look up there, he's telling me something, uh, something to do better. But I remember trying to find them. And I remember when the whistle blew, I kind of was like, OK, connect your first pass. Like, don't panic. And then I did. I connected my first pass. And honestly, right then and there, it clicked. I was like, this is soccer. You do this every day. It's no different. Yeah. Um, and then when the whistle blew for the end of the game, I was like, OK, now it is different because there's a million people here that want autographs and things like that. And everyone knows you. That is so cool, and just I love watch as someone that's a dreamer and goes after their passion. It's so cool to to <laughs> see and hear you talk about that experience of living your dream. Um, now you're playing here in Louisville. Um, what what are your goals now? How has 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 life and your soccer career changed since you know the being that that it's changed a lot since being that mm-hmm. five year old girl with a dream? But now you are living out that dream every day. How how do you stay motivated? What are the goals in front of you now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think my biggest goals, uh, soccer wise, obviously getting called into the national team, you know, 
that's still my goal. Every single time there's a camp, I want to be called. I want to be there. Um, that's my main goal. Uh, Club-wise, being here in Louisville for the first year um, and coming to a team that wasn't at the top of the table and they weren't really in the middle, they were lower, um, I just want to make an impact. I want this club to be successful, and I want to be a part of winning a championship here, and that is my number one goal. Um, I feel like I come to training every day to try and achieve that, and you know, we have such good, good culture here. And honestly, in the pros, sometimes that's hard to come by because yeah. you have a lot of personalities. Um, but I want to win a championship here, and I want to take this club as high as it can go. Um, it has so much potential. The facilities, the people, everything here is set up to be amazing. We just have to get it right on the field, and I, I think we're headed in that direction. But honestly, my career has definitely changed, like you said, from a five-year-old girl <laughs> to a rookie in Seattle. You know, everything was about me. Um, in my pros in the pros I just wanted to be good um, I wanted to have all these dreams and goals and I wanted to achieve them but now I think getting older just turned 30 the other day hey so. me too happy oh, birthday my birthday is in August it's August 18th wow September 15th all right sweet yes, so, so we can yeah we can be old are together you a, are you a Leo then too or I'm no? a Virgo okay I didn't know what any of this meant but <laughs> like I kept going on dates which I don't do anymore because I just <laughs> given up on dating but like girls kept asking that I'm like what does this matter yeah. what does it mean and so now I know that I'm a Leo but happy birthday yeah happy birthday <laughs> we're 30 Woo yes so much to celebrate yeah <laughs> but now that I'm older and probably a little more mature I've realized that my career is a lot more about the people as well yeah um and being a part of the limb difference community I just want to make an impact on them um I made a goal this year um unfortunately I got injured so I didn't go to some stadiums but the stadiums I've been to I wanted to meet someone with a limb difference at every single away stadium um I think I've gotten six out of the 12 so far so we have That's a couple awesome. more um but yeah it's my goal before I, I retire I wanted to do it in a year but obviously that didn't work this year but I just want to meet someone in every single city that has a soccer team in the NWSL so um it's definitely shifted to I still want to win a championship I still want to be the best soccer player there is um but I also want to be there and support and allow the limb difference community to be proud i'm gonna say inspire too because that's what you are doing and thank you for helping people with their mental health and feeling not alone and being you know a source of hope when some people you know they might not have that until mm -hmm. they meet you or see you play and so i find that so inspiring and i recently you know followed you on social media as we were setting up this interview mm -hmm. and it's cool to see how much you have talked about it and made it you want to be the soccer player Carson but being that philanthropic am I saying that word right uh be, yes. being that being that person to help people too mm -hmm. and to be relatable and to meet a, a kid or a person in every stadium I find that the championship thing like that is what you're driven and that's going to be mm -hmm. a very very rewarding feeling when it happens but being able to have that person to person connection mm -hmm. or dms or emails or people at practice that are training that show up that has to be just as powerful. 100%. Yeah. I, before I would have been like, uh, sometimes it's hard. You know, sometimes when you when you've lost a game, you really don't want to go talk to anyone. You don't right. really want to talk to your family. You're just so annoyed. You're frustrated because you're a competitor. Yeah. Sometimes I have to sit there for about 30 seconds and be like, okay, it's not about you in this moment. It's about them yeah. because um, they've come here to see you. They come here to meet you and they will remember how you treated them. Right. Um, and so sometimes it's challenging for sure, you know, especially if you have bad games and things like that. But I've realized that it's just so much bigger than, than soccer. Yep. Yep. And I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. It is super powerful. Um, I do want to ask you one more thing and you can like ask anything you want or talk about anything you want if I, if I didn't cover it. Um, but what advice would you give to a young girl, young boy, young athlete that might 
be part of the indifference community and is and wants to play in the pros or maybe they want to you know be an actor maybe they want to you know be on broadway or be on tv what advice would you give them I think the biggest thing for me, I've, I've, I think I've said this in probably every interview because it's honestly, it's changed my life. My dad always said, never let anyone turn your sky into a ceiling. So dream big. You can do it. You can achieve anything you want to achieve. It doesn't matter if it seems crazy to other people. If that's what you want to do, you can do it. So mm-hmm. keep working towards it. Keep being yourself and, and love yourself for how unique you are every single day. All right, we're going to end on that because I, I love that saying. Say it one more time for me from your dad. Um, never let anyone turn your sky into a ceiling. All right, we have a ceiling above us in, <laughs> in the facility, but I love that message. Carson, thank you so thank much. Thank you. This was amazing, and we'll see everybody right back here next week <laughs> on The Mental Game. And I can't thank Carson enough for really opening up about her arm, her soccer career. That picture with Joseph is one of the coolest things you will ever see in sports and in life. So please look it up on our Instagram or Google that moment because it went viral. Carson's story, just so inspirational. And once again, I can't thank her enough for opening up with me here on The Mental Game. Next week, another surprise guest on the podcast. And it's going to be a surprise to me because I don't even know who it is yet. I'm getting ready to get on a plane to go out to L.A. to shoot a new handful of episodes. Some of the biggest guests I've ever had on this podcast. And I can't wait to share them with you. One of them will be next week right back here on The Mental Game.